0: This is Belize from UCLA Radio, and you're listening to The Menu. Good afternoon. You're tuned into The Menu on UCLA Radio, a radio show about LA's wonderful food culture and the people who make it special.
1: I'm your host, Belize. And I am Henry. Um, obviously, right now, the food world has been turned upside down by COVID-19. So, We're bringing you the menu from our own homes and trying to bring you stories of chefs, owners, anyone involved in the LA culinary scene who is doing their part to stay open um, during this crisis. Today, we're joined by Vanda, owner and chef of Ayara Thai in Westchester. Thank you very much for joining us today, Vanda.
2: Thank you, Belize.
0: Thank you, Henry, for having me today. Um, So first, before, We ask you our questions. We just wanted to, we just wanted you to tell us a bit about your restaurant, Thai. So we are
2: um, going on our 16th year. So it's a, we cook Thai food and Thai food using local ingredients. We work with many farmers um, to source our ingredients. We also I work with uh, both my parents, so both my parents are chefs. I'm a third generation chef, so all of the recipes we cook are family recipes that have been passed down from our grandparents. Um, and it's it's somewhat of a um, Asian American identity. A lot of the dishes are true to what we you know thais eat but i would say it stirs away from what people say like is super authentic it is what like i am as a thai american we use salmon salmon isn't commonly used in you know thai cuisine but it's used readily available in many california cuisines so it is has a bit of california flair so we make uh, home-cooked thai food here in in los angeles I'm really proud of going on to our 16th year.
1: Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, that's
2: amazing. Thank you. Many ups and downs. And this is, <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely a trying time for us.
1: Um, how have you been adapting to the current COVID situation?
2: So, I, um, I mean, it came by surprise, but not by surprise. I think when um, China began to... You know start their quarantine, and my background is actually in public health, so that's my educational background. I knew that it wasn't something out of the picture if it was to happen here in the u s so we began to to actually plan um, my parents you know we're a big group of planner, and sometimes we do over plan growing up in restaurants, so we we're all trained to do everything we i mean part of the planning process was that um you know, if, if no one could come to work and it's just our family, we can still make food, we can still make it all happen. Um, but obviously we want to keep, you know, our employees employed and everyone, um, you know, making a livelihood and being able to, to feed themselves and come, come by for food. So we didn't really do that. So, I mean, we, we all take a, um, a share of the responsibility in the kitchen. Today's her, her day that I can sit, sit at home and induce my taxes and apply for
0: federal loans.
1: <laughs> oh, exciting.
0: <laughs> so exciting. Yeah. And during this time, um, you said you were already, you said you already started planning, but uh, we were looking through um, your Instagram and your website, and we saw a lot of original ideas that I guess, came out of this process. For example, your um, Safer at Home specials. That's a great idea. Could you tell more about that?
2: part of the planning, we knew that um, people will have, you know, limited resources, um, money will be tight, um, you know, just putting ourselves also in, in in, we're all in the same, you know, situation. So how can we navigate all of that? Um, So I think being in a restaurant industry, you're always constantly scrappy. And um, being like a child of an immigrant is also extra scrappy, you make things like work because you kind of have to. Um, and uh, also my family, we, we've done takeout for a long time. Before opening a restaurant, we used to sell um, food. We used to serve food to Thai Airways crew during their layover. So we did a lot of takeout. Um, our... Food costs, you know, for takeout, we can really stretch it. And we really wanted to extend that, you know, our cost-saving skills to our consumers. And um, so we launched a Thai subscription meal program. So we called it Thai Thursday after Taco Tuesday. Uh, Everyone loves Taco Tuesdays. So we wanted just to create a little bit of um, a fun, whimsical um, experience for diners. But essentially what it is, it's a bento or bintol. A bento is a teffin multi-layer lunchbox. And in many parts of uh, Southeast Asia and South Asia, it's a... um, a vessel you know, for moving food. And it also has many cultural ties. It is also something that moms or aunties would pack your lunch in. But in many communities in Thailand, it's how people cost share. So um, often an elderly person in the community would um, make big batches of food and then pack it so every household in that community can come and pick it up at the end of their workday and go home and eat. Um, there's no customization. So I know like LA, there's m- a million modifiers in every restaurant because everyone has their t- dietary need. When we were thinking of this program, we also like were concerned about that. What about the gluten-free, the vegans, the vegetarians, the people who don't like cilantro? How do <laughs> they... <laughs> How will they navigate this, and you know what it's we don 't allow any modifiers and yesterday on thir- was Thursday we had over thirty five families that subscribed to us because of you know getting the hearty food um, and uh, I think it 's definitely the cost savings we ty- we part of my i guess um, academic uh, background is doing surveys I used to do surveying for the UN so I sent out a lot of surveys to my like my, my customers <laughs> there's short ones but a lot of really positive feedback of just having food that they've never experienced before and I thank them so much for you know trusting in, in me and my family to create like a surprise kind of uh, lunch box for them I mean we, we post the menus but um, they don't really know what they're getting just from the description so it's not their normal pot thai it's you know a a curry that my family eats once a week um here in LA
1: that's a great idea um especially with the surveys during this time do you get to see where um people are ordering from around LA
2: so the survey doesn't go into that deep. It's usually just what we've, you know, how, how do they, um, enjoy our food, things that they can improve, we can improve on, on that single experience. So, um, after our first survey, our first, uh, Thai Thursday lunch and um, dinner boxes went out, a lot of people said the portion sizes were a little tad bit small. So we were able to kind of adjust our recipe to allow and allot, you know, um, our raw costs for that. So that was kind of how we, you know, adjust for, for the survey, but I would be interested. I don't know if that's something that you can do like a survey where you can, you know, survey Los Angelinos about how they're spending their food money, Mm. uh, whether it's buying or, or um, uh, cooking on their own. The trend that we've kind of seen is that it's similar to when people are working your Fridays and Saturdays, our Fridays and Saturdays are busy, which I found kind of odd because every day feels like a Saturday yeah. <laughs> and every day feels like a Friday. So why are people spending more on Friday and Saturday? People perhaps are just still working like you and I mm-hmm. on, you know, on, on our regular days through Zoom, through through the internet. Um, but yes, people are spending are very similar to how it was beforehand. Mm-hmm. Mondays are a lot slower. Tuesday lunch, you know, is is kind of dead um so it's very interesting yeah
1: maybe people need some semblance of you know past. <laughs> of norm- yeah
2: <laughs> normacy. yes yeah <laughs> some patterns and we're all creatures of habit so yeah.
0: yeah and do you ever feel like you know it's always it always feels like dining in food tastes better do you see any difference when you're doing a lot of takeout delivery style food now?
2: Definitely. I mean,
0: our restaurant, um, at Ayara, we've always had a big
2: takeout, uh, base. I think Thai is a new like Chinese food and being in Westchester, um, having just a handful of, of restaurants in this area, we do a lot of takeout. Um, I would say probably 30 to 40% of our income, um, is from takeout. um, And um, I think that was definitely a comparative advantage for us coming into this, you know, um, safer at home period. Um, it, we just kind of was is part of everyone's normal routine of doing takeout already. But even before um, the way the way that we cook our food for takeout is a little different from how we make for dine in. Dine in is you know made and served immediately. Uh, for takeout, our vegetables aren't cooked as long. We know that it gets you know the lids get put on and that vegetable will wilt, uh, noodles will bloat um, during, you know, the transportation of it. Um, we encourage and and give instructions on how to heat and warm up food. Uh, you know, many people don't own a microwave. There's this wave of people without a microwave i grew up with microwave and (laughs) cooking everything on the microwave as an immigrant child um but a lot of trends in the west side people and all over la and and all over the world is not having a microwave so how to warm our, our food in things like ovens and on a pan and on a pot um we provide those instructions as well so yes definitely being aware of that food when traveling um does change and how to um retain its integrity during that transportation. Yeah. We
1: definitely have kept that in mind. And <laughs> some very high level service, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, no,
2: I mean we I put myself, like if I was to order takeout from my favorite restaurant, I wouldn't want it, I want I would want a similar experience to how I would have it when I dine in, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, speaking of high level um you're on it's 420 in 10 days
2: um are you celebrating (laughs) it's it's 420 every day
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's right this month people have been mad this month is just you know supposed to be a celebratory month
0: yes but
1: you know what now everybody has more time you know, to just um, celebrate 420 in April. Um, um, So you're doing a special, right, for 420, one day only. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: So a few, I think two months ago, we, um, we decided to do this event, kind of a, a regular event um, called First Friday. I mean, a lot of places have it, but there's usually food trucks that are parked out of restaurants and streets and people come out. What we wanted to do, um, my dad, he's more retired than my mom, and I wanted to create a project for him where he can kind of showcase his cooking and things that we um, don't always get a chance to do in our kitchen. Um, but do it outside on the sidewalk so we began a first friday where we would cook and bring an experience of um, like thai street food cooking to like the front of our restaurant Um, and the first dish that we did was a cannabis boat noodle low dose of thc paired with a cbd chili oil and we made it in front of our restaurant it was a big big hit Um, People loved it, loved it, loved it. Uh, First week of quarantine, uh, Safer at Home, we knew that people needed something to kind of lift their spirit up, and we, um, we sold it as a pre-order sale on our website and sold out probably in two hours. Wow. We made 50 portions in two hours. Um, so for 420, we wanna ramp up our, our recipe, maybe do a few more batches before <laughs> and have it available um, for, for consumption, yeah. Would you be able, wanna try it? Can I, can I Uber yeah. it over
1: to you? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we I'm right. gonna order one of those Binco.
2: <laughs> then this yeah. goes against like the counter, um, it's countering like stoner, um, like the stoner movement of like cannabis. I want, teach C in, um, High boat noodle actually goes back to like the 17th century. It is not something that, hey, I want to make noodles with, you know, that will make you high. It's not. (laughs) And it was was actually used as a meat tenderizer and a flavor enhancer before all of this. And um, no recipe has ever been like truly written on it. Very few, um, everyone knows of it. It's like kind of kind of like an urban legend for Thais. Whenever they go to a, a new boat noodle stall um in Thailand, everyone always like, oh, it's so good. It makes me laugh. I bet you it has cannabis in it. And um, uh, but no one ever, you know, says it. Partially probably because you know, cannabis is was illegal in Thailand. Now it's um it's the first, I think, recently first country in Southeast East Asia to legalize medical marijuana. So that was a tidbit bit of, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So really proud of it. Um, and we've, we, the trial and error process, like to get to the, uh, the recipe that we have right now, my family probably had uh, a THC boat noodle. We were the Guinea pigs every day for like <laughs> six weeks. <laughs> yeah. To adjust the recipe. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow, that sounds kind of amazing, though. Yeah,
1: Yeah. I
2: really want you guys to try it. So definitely, I'm noting it here. Send both of you care packages.
0: Oh, thank you. Um, speaking of your specials and your 420 specials, so I'm, you know, I'm I'm excited now that you're telling me about it. But um, I feel like a lot of people want to get delivery from you, and they are. So how are you working with DoorDash and other delivery services um, to get your food to customers? How do you find that service?
2: Right. um, Before all this happened, we've already were with Uber Eats, DoorDash, Chow Now. Um, We're just extending that. um, And uh, we've also worked with Ordermark. I don't know if this is people in the industry might, might love this. Order Mark is uh, a program. Are you both familiar with it? No. Maybe not. It's not really for on the consumer end, but as a restaurant industry, having um, all of the tablets up and it ringing, I don't know if you've been in a restaurant where like the tablets ring and right. someone's running to the tablet to kind of enter the food into their, their point of sale system. Um, it's really annoying. Uh, right. OrderMark is kind of like a third party of third parties where they combine all of the third parties into one system. So it just prints out. So there's no human error in entering any of the third-party um, orders, and it's been a life for us. Um, we use it, yeah, we use it every day. Um, and it's really helped us facilitate and adjust to being a takeout-only restaurant um, and really streamlining it. Yeah. Actually, the person who developed it is the son of Cantor's Deli. Alex
1: really? Cantor. really.
2: Yeah, so wow. someone in who is a restaurant kid, you know, saw this as a um, an issue and decided to do something about it, which is pretty amazing. Pretty cool. Yeah, plug to him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I've heard some complaints about these sort of third-party delivery services. Do you feel like they're treating restaurants fairly? And would you recommend us use one of them over another?
2: I mean, (laughs) to be very honest with you, we rely on them. They develop the technology. There's, you know, intellectual property and all of that. And I respect that. Um, but being in the restaurant industry, our margins are so small and now we rely on them. We rely on, um, on these third party apps to conduct business. It is, it feels, you know, a little bit like, the mafia is controlling your business for lack of a better word um, but you kind of have to get creative with it um, something that um, I'm I, okay so kind of a side note um, is that I, I've been thinking of whether I should share this but I think I should <laughs> part of third party they take you know 20 to 30% yeah. of, of your revenue it's revenue based if you don't make any sales you don't but it says nothing about how you set your prices. So what we've done actually was set our prices through those apps um, by about 10% increase. Oh, yeah. So as a consumer, if you were to order, you know, through our online for pickup there, you know, it would just be minus that 10% increase for Uber, DoorDash, anything that we get charged 20% and up, there's that 10% increase in our menu prices. Mm-hmm. And, um, does it seem like we're taking advantage of our consumers? You know, some people might ask, but we've actually done it for about two years already. And there has been no complaints. I think when people are sitting on their couch, wanting takeout take out food, um, they are okay with, you know, taking on that that cost, that mm-hmm. additional cost, and you know there are delivery fees, there are service fees. Both Uber and DoorDash have waived delivery fees. Obviously, the service fee—I I don't know how exactly it's calculated—but goes to the drivers, and I think that they should be um, given fair wages and uh, you know this the same or equal payment or more um, during this time. So I don't want you know our business to reduce their income either. That wouldn't be fair for the drivers who's risking their lives to pick up food and deliver food. But I think that the 10% menu increase um, makes sense to, to, to um, I think counter the uh, high commission costs that these third parties have. And that's something um, that I don't think a lot of restaurants are doing. You kind of have to read between the lines and and navigate, and you know, do what makes sense um, for your business. I've shared this with some of of my friends in the restaurant industry that don't do takeout all the time, and signed up and like was faced with, "Whoa, it's a thirty percent commission! Like, how are you navigating this?" And I've told them, and they're like, "You need to share this with everyone." And I'm like, "I don't even know if it's really like, if what if Uber and DoorDash, what if they catch on?" And and They banned it, so they're like your grandfather did. Just don't worry about it. So <laughs> you guys are the first that I'm sharing with it this okay. publicly. <laughs> just a tidbit, a tip. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, that's a great idea. It's it's it can uh, very hurt. It can hurt a, a, a restaurant whose margins are small. Just like you said, it's probably necessary at this time when to go is a, a lot is all that a lot of restaurants have at the moment.
2: Yes. Yes. Um, I know Uber Eats and um, has given, so they, Uber Eats and DoorDash would typically pay out once a week, um, where a normal credit card pays out day by day. So you get your, what, everything that you swiped next day in your bank. Um, what Uber has done, and they did it pretty quickly, was allow for next day funding. Which has helped many restaurants. You can imagine with cash flow now that um, you know there's no diners and we're depending on simply online ordering. Having that next day cash is definitely helpful.
0: Yeah, and um, during this time, like you said, you don't have you know um, you don't offer dining in anymore. So how? How do you find the government's actions with the restaurant business? Um, do you think they've been helpful or do you think more needs to be done?
2: I definitely think more needs to be done. My fear I mean, there's a lot of um a programs out there to uh, and like. Yeah, aid programs that we have to apply for, many of which requires that we have you know our taxes done, our papers aligned. And I would say, uh, for many restaurant independent restaurant owners, it's not always readily available. You have to really get all of that. I'm still you know uh, digging my way out of the trenches with that and getting all all of my paperwork lined up. But being having been Already organized before all of this, and now you know we're wearing multiple hats, running into a restaurant, um, staffing, you know, doing inventory to put another thing on, and applying for these loans um, is daunting. I'm looking at like my parents. If my parents, you know, did not have my siblings and I helping them with with this aspect, um, it, they would be lost. So many of the mom and pops uh, restaurants that have older um, older owners definitely will have a difficult time navigating. And I think there are some resources out there that are helping, you know, people navigate the uh, restaurant owners, navigate the application process, banks and, um, and uh, uh, like NGOs that are helping. Uh, There's also the, the independent restaurant coalition that is, um, you know, helping, but also calling for all of us to call our Congress people um, about local restaurants and independent restaurants and that the money simply isn't going uh, to big chain restaurants, but trickling down to those who own just one, just a corner store, um, you know, with fewer than five employees or whatnot. Um, I also think that the government can do more in um, aiding um like undocumented workers being in LA, you know, we know the the reality of that, that there's so many undocumented workers working in the hospitality and restaurant industry. None of this, uh, none of the plans, you know, from this administration includes them and they are the backbone of what we all do. So there is VALA Hospitality um, that is advocating for this. And there's ways that, you know, listeners can donate and um, make a difference with, you know, with, with, their, with their donations.
1: Um, what do you see as your primary uh, responsibilities um, with the restaurant during this difficult time? Is it your workers, your community, your family staying open?
2: I think my biggest priority is making sure everyone who works for me and um, our entire team is healthy and remains healthy. And, um, our, you know, our guests, you know, come in and pick up in a healthy and safe and efficient environment. Um, that's my number one goal. Um, and what, you know, and if we can continue to serve home cooked Thai food along the way, that will be great, you know, but to make sure everyone remains healthy and safe and feels safe when they come to work that's my number one we've uh during this time everyone's you know obvious payroll has has um decreased their hours uh my kitchen staff is about 30 to 35 hours where many of them before, you know, had overtime, had extra income from, you know, catering and coming in early and whatnot. Uh, my front of house is about everyone's averaging about 16 hours. Uh, we're proud that, you know, of the 26 employees, we're able to keep on 23. Um, you know, three have chosen that it they didn't feel safe to come to work, which I, absolutely respect and um 23 you know decided that they want to stay on and they're they're working and they're coming in you know when scheduled um feeling safe uh we've continued to pay for all of their benefits we provide um, health benefits so we've paid that and it won't come out of their their paycheck uh we also allow for everyone to bring home food for their Their cells and their family, even if they're not scheduled in, they can just call in uh, like a takeout order and they can come pick up food to make sure everyone eats. Um, I actually surveyed my staff if they wanted that or like ingredients. Everyone's like, I don't want to cook at home. I would just love takeout. (laughs) So you can just do it for us. So uh, they can opt for just eggs and veggies and they can make their own food or come in for food. Uh, Many people have done that. Um, So just making sure everyone is safe, fed, and you know. Um, and we have a lot of one-on-one times with everyone because not not everyone, you know, will voice that they need help. Um, we all are very prideful and so not everyone will ask for help if they need it. So, um, gauging that and stepping in when, when we're needed, um, is kind of what we're, we're, we're doing and it's a day by day things change every day. Mm -hmm. Um, and we're kind of just going based on that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And yeah, what steps have you been taking to make sure that you're preventing the spread of the virus?
2: So we've moved our entire uh, counter into the dining room. So the dining space isn't being used. We've actually... boarded up some of our, you know, our areas so that it's like a clear path of no questioning. Even if you tape up or like write a sign, oftentimes people don't, don't follow those signs. So you have to make it kind of um, dummy proof and foolproof. We have, you know, uh, tape on the floor so that people have a six foot clearance between each other. Uh, We have plexiglass, everything that, you know, uh, is we have to speak or converse is in between a plexiglass food is placed on a table that is a a six foot long table. So, you know, we push it out there and then, um, the consumers are asked to, our guests are asked not to pick it up until we move our hands off the table. And then we step away. Um, we do curbside, uh, call in so people can call from their car. If there is no passenger in the front seat, we kind of airdrop it into their front seat through their window. If there is a passenger, we ask that they open their trunk and we kind of put it in there. Some people have been like, don't put it in my trunk. I have things in my trunk. And you know, we're like, we're not going to close your trunk. You're going to walk past you, you know, if we're going to take anything. Um, and if you want to adjust your bags, you know, just I won't close your trunk uh, and you can move your bag to the front seat, you know, after that, but just giving that clearance. um, We have a table outside of the restaurant as well, that if people are waiting for their food, they can just wait outside after they've checked in inside. Um, And so no more than three people inside at any given time with a good, you know, clearance in between. Um, Yeah. Just to make everyone, you know, safe and, um, make service efficient. I don't think anyone wants to wait too long for their food. So we've really taken a priority on getting their food done and ready and giving a good window of time. Um, like an, an accurate estimate of when the, when food will be ready, um, is very important as well. We've actually timed and like during peaks and not and yeah, uh I'm a statistic nerd kind of, so I've mm-hmm. punched all of that into our point of sales to try to give the best like accurate um uh wait time during this period. So it's actually been been pretty good. I would say like a an eighty percent success rate. There's, you know, the twenty percent you can't predict.
1: So this is something I've been curious about. Um I'm not sure if it's true or not. I guess that's why I'm um, Want to ask you? Do you think, um, or do you feel, or have you seen any evidence um, that Asian or Asian American restaurants have to unfairly demonstrate more so than other restaurants right now that they're taking steps to prevent the spread of COVID, or or not? <laughs>
2: We've experienced it. I don't think I can say for all Asian American and Asian restaurants, but we've experienced it even before um, before the safer at home uh, mandate um, and the quarantine has been placed. Uh, you know, just our staff like coughing or sneezing and they're sneezing and coughing into their elbow, which we all do. Um, and you don't think anything of it. We had people like looking at you know, guests looking, guests asking, guests watching as, you know, we washed our hands, um, coming into the kitchen to look that, you know, this person actually washed their hands. I don't think the same, uh, scrutiny, um, would have been extended to a non-Asian restaurant, um, if that was the case. Um, but, you know, I, that's just my, my, um, My bias there, Um, but yes, definitely a difficult time. My mom was actually, you know, yesterday we we were having dinner and she actually asked, you know, what are we going to do after this if there is still going to be... Uh, more people will be under that scrutiny. We're all, I mean, in the hospital industry, um, we all have safe certification. That's a requirement by the public health, um, you know, by but, but public health, like having anyone, public health officers that come in and check, they actually check all of the employee certificates. So everyone has gone through that training of washing your hands and um, proper food safety um, education. Um, but at the same time, you know, do people do it? How do we enforce it as an owner? We, you know, it's, it's, keeping that eye making sure all of our managers um incentivizing people for you know doing it and making sure they they keep doing it um right now i think it's like the opposite effect people are doing it to the even extreme Uh, a lot of my staff now have like developed really dry hands from washing um to extremely washing being under you know because they're under that scrutiny that hey no one will die with us if they have no confidence in that our food is safe and that we're we are safe. Even before the wearing the mask is required, we've been wearing masks. Gloves are used to any interaction, any time, you know, the contamination, we remove it. I think we've gone through quite a bit of gloves this past month. I feel bad for the earth um, and all the plastic that we're, we're using, Um but um, to answer your question, yes, um, we, we have. Um, and um, I can't speak for all you know, Asian restaurants, but yes, we have.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you, that was a great answer.
0: Thank you. And <laughs> you also mentioned that your mom was thinking about what's gonna happen um, when this is over. So how do you think restaurants are going to change or adapt after COVID-19?
2: My mom, um, you know, was saying that even after this, all of everything that we're doing, we got to just continue. We don't know whether that curve will, um, you know, re- remain flatten or will it spike mm-hmm. up. So we need to really be diligent in doing that. Um, we've actually... Uh, a t- thing that we've done is actually installed an Alexa, like this, um, the little echo in our, mm-hmm. our commercial kitchen, in the restaurant kitchen, that actually reminds the entire staff every 30 minutes that it's Corona time. Um, so it's just a reminder, it's Corona time. And that's just, you know, a reminder to sanitize your workstation, to... Um, Uh, change your gloves to wash your hands to make sure and um it has actually really helped like everyone really be on top of it. Um she's like don't remove the Alexa, maybe add, you know, don't do every 30 minutes and it's predictable. Change it up every like 45, 15. And I'm like, mom, that's a lot of programming that we have to do. (laughs) um but yeah I mean change it up but to keep at it um because we don't know whether um you know this will spike back a lot of predictions is that it will spike back in the fall again and to keep our work environment safe for all of our team and all of our guests is definitely a priority you know we all have a a saying like we don't want to you know serve like Bad food to anyone, but uh, it's, again, like we don't want to hurt anyone from coming in and supporting us during this time or hurt our staff or you know make anyone ill. And there's so much that you know we can do, and there's so much that we can't do, so we can only do what we can control, and those are things that we can control. So let's just keep doing it. So my mom's like, let's just keep doing it to the <laughs> end of the year until we know that it's we're you know we're really safe and we, we've overcome this. So, um, yeah, so I think we're definitely, uh, right now planning how we would, um, keep that plexiglass, you know, going, even if we have a dining room and maybe the way that we space out tables after we come back, um, could be something. So having fewer tables, um, when, once we step back, um, perhaps that is, you know, a, 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 to, to. Bring confidence into diners that you know we are playing it safe, um, and kind of going and changing as we go.
1: Sounds like you're really implementing some very innovative uh, stuff yeah. regarding the situation. I think more so than you know. Sounds like some new ideas that I have not heard or seen. <laughs> before. That's great. We're
2: pretty wild here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Liz, do you have any more questions you'd like to ask? Um
0: yes i have one last question i've also i also saw on your instagram that you've been helping healthcare um workers um could you tell us a bit about that and how you know you've been given back to the community
2: so i mean the community has given us so much and there's um yes the community has given us so so much and i mean anytime we can help in any way we're you know always willing to do so um we actually was introduced to chef judy Hahn uh through our friend chef june of otis Thai. i don't know if you know of chef judy Hahn. she is the um chef a former chef of mendocino's during mendocino's growth this was her under her like um taking and she um uh, under her supervision. And now she's just, she's a consultant, a food consultant, but uh, Judy and a few of her friends actually uh, was contacted by hospital staff um, and asking, you know, they, they don't have food and they don't, there's no way to access food during their limited break period um, in the hospital. Is there any way that you know, they can get food. And so Judy and some friends uh, got together and um, started an NGO called Dine One One. And it's an LA base. All of the chefs are from LA that uh, connects, um, that raises funds through donations of you and I. You can donate at Dine One One. Um, It pays for restaurants like Ayara to cook meals for frontline healthcare workers. So this week on Tuesday we made eighty five boxes for the VA hospital at you know a, a, a good with a good margin um, that allows our staff to continue working. So it's a win win for everyone, um, donors, you know, and um, and those volunteers that drive. And, over to pick up the food and then drop it off at the at the hospitals to the frontline workers it's an amazing program um there's a lot of these programs that are popping up what what really sets i think dine one one apart is that it's an effort made by local la chefs and there's no overhead everything goes back into you know feeding frontline workers. And I think that's been, it's been amazing. I'm so excited to be a part of it and to continue to be a part of it. And I encourage any restaurants that are listening in to, you know, sign up for it, go to One, One. There's an, a little like button for restaurants that can, they can tap into that. And um, if they already have a hospital in mind, they can actually get, you know, um, some compensation for the food that they they're making for for frontline workers. So, um, or die one, can, can connect you with a hospital in your area. And for us, it's, it's the VA hospital actually right in Westwood.
1: That's right. Yeah. yeah. Wow, what a wonderful service they're doing and you're doing. That's fantastic. Yeah. Thank you.
2: Great service. I'm, I'm so excited to be a yes. part of it.
1: Yes. <laughs> Do you want to read, uh, reiterate the specials that you have going on before we close out our interview so that people so, can
2: yes yeah, so people can partake so yeah. our full menu is still available and we're open um 11am to 10pm we have uh we have pickup and you can order uh, for delivery through uber and doordash we also have specials on thursdays which are the thai bintol thai thursday bintol specials which are subscription we're two weeks in and we have two more weeks and i think we're going to probably continue it on um, for a few more weeks so you can come in and subscribe meals range uh, the more you order the more weeks you order the cheaper it gets. So it ranges from $35 for a family of four to twenty-nine, as low as $29 for a family of four, which um, is pretty awesome. Um, And um, we have Sundays. Every Sunday we have pre-order specials. You have to order by Saturday night for Sunday dishes. Um, The 420 cannabis dish, will be on sale starting Monday. So people can begin to pre-order starting this Monday. And um, yes, and look out for all of that. We'll continue to have more specials every Sunday. And we have products for sale Um, on our website. We have pad thai kits that you can make pad thai, be a Thai chef, uh, make your pad thai at home. And we also have a Tom Yum kit that we're launching really soon. So you can make Tom Yum from the comfort of your home. Um, And all of the ingredients will be available. Just some fresh things that you might need and already may have, like chicken at home. Um, Yeah, so we're really excited to have all of that. Um, And we'll probably continue to innovate and adjust as we go. Like many of um, my brothers and sisters of the restaurant world, adjust and adapt.
1: all sounds delicious and it, it's it's sounds to me like um you're doing an amazing incredible job adapting yeah. to this crazy strange situation so
2: i think we're just doing what we can to just continue to survive mm-hmm. and you know continue to there's i always remind my my family you know besides us there's 20 other Team members that we, you know, are responsible for all of many are full time with us. Many of the other restaurants that they work for, if they're they're part time with us, have already closed. So they depend on us to have to, you know, to be here. And also being a part, we, I live um, a block away from my restaurant. So many of our guests are longtime friends. Many of them, you know, I went to school with their um, their parents or grandparents um, of you know um, people my sister went to school with or my parents you know were part of the pta with them uh so there's much like there's a lot of love in this community for us but also for them and to to continue operating and creating a norm for many of the members of our community is is very important too and being lighthearted along the way i think we're all kind of stressed um, during this time. So being lighthearted, we, I sent out newsletters, We put little messages in bags. Um, We worked with uh, my trainer. Her name is Lacey. She's also uh, worked with Khloe Kardashian um, in the past. So she's like a a big time um,
1: (laughs) fitness instructor.
2: And now she is is isn't part of a gym. She's working from home. And I'm like, Lacey, you know, let's let's do something. And she's like, What do you want to do? I'm like, Can you write some tips for me on how to exercise at home, and so that we can print it up and. tape it to the back you know bags of, <laughs> oh my God. of to-go bags and she did it I mean I, I love her to death she did it and there's like now tips like three tips to exercise at home and eat healthy and what you can do and so it's like two-page postcard that we're sticking on there and a lot of people had a good laugh with it they're like whoa Thai restaurant is giving out fitness tips yeah. <laughs> like, what what are we doing yes yeah. so yes yeah, staying staying healthy getting creative and just being lighthearted and, and taking each day day to day.
1: Well, I will be ordering. Thank you.
0: Yeah, from me too. <laughs>
1: you this weekend, and if you're listening, <laughs> you should order from Ayara as well. Um, you've been listening to the menu uh, on UCLA Radio. Um, thank you so much for joining us, Amanda. Thank you
2: so thank you. much. Thank you, Henry. Thank you, police Stay healthy.
1: You too. Thank Stay you.
2: Healthy.